Alright, if you guys have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be in verse 1 through 3 today, but we are also going to be in Psalm 41, 1 through 3. And so you can put a finger there, but if you guys will, pray with me this prayer, and then uh, it's in your song sheets, and then we will get into the text. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our heart, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. Seeing the crowds, he, that being Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then Psalm 41, 1 through 3, says this, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give up to the will. uh, You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. So today we're going to take a, a good look at poverty. What does it mean to be poor? And uh, because if the poor are blessed, what does this mean? If the poor is blessed and if theirs is the kingdom of heaven, like that's what we pray for in the Lord's prayer, right? Like we want that too. So what does it mean to be poor? I I believe poverty is often seen wrongly by us and in our culture. It is seen as something that is always wrong, always bad, and something that always needs to be fixed. And here, however, we see that Jesus starts his great sermon, right? This is just the beginning sentence of his sermon that he is laying out for us. And I want to make sure that we think of it in context of an entire sermon that goes Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Today, in his sermon, he is saying that those who are poor in spirit are blessed. Some translations translate it happy, but this idea is that they are blessed. And in Luke 6, it actually says the same thing. Records the Sermon on the Mount a little differently. And it said, he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Not poor in spirit, just poor. So, blessed are the poor. Not just the poor in spirit, but the poor. Over the years, I've actually been privileged enough to study poverty, and I've lived it from time to time. And in many times, it does not feel like a blessing. I can come up here and account not only my woes, but the the woes of many others that I've walked through and what poverty feels like. And oftentimes, it does not feel like blessed. It makes almost like a mockery of this verse. It feels like a burden that I'd like to be freed from. And yet... On deeper contemplation, there is much about poverty that truly, truly is a blessing. And I believe there are areas where all of us, every single person on the planet, there are areas where we are poor and there are areas where we have wealth for each and every one of us. And it is important that to this text that we look at what to do with our areas of poverty as well as what do we do with our areas of wealth. 
And this is the main reason why I've included Psalm 41, 1 through 3 in this sermon, because in the, in the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes and he attacks wealth. And he does that his whole, his whole time. And he seems to lift up poverty. But I think there, there's a, a group called Chalmers Center, and it's chalmers.org, that has been really helpful to the church at large in thinking about poverty. Uh, a guy named Brian Fickert wrote a book, When Helping Hurts. He lays out what poverty is, and, it's, uh, and their website has a ton of free resources. And they have classes that they offer, and one of them is Faith and Finance, which I'm actually, I've been, had the privilege of being trained in. And so, but it helps us see poverty and finances and resources in a completely different light. And I think that the Chalmers Center has been actually very prophetic to our church in America on what to do. But they teach that poverty comes through relationships, our relationships in particular, and they say in four distinct different ways. So the first way that they would say poverty comes through relationship is our, our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how we can be rich or poor in the way that we interact with God and, and how we think and how we act and how God we allow God to impact our life. So poverty can come through maybe our lack of relationship with God. And, and how we live, though, if we're Christians, how we live, our whole entire life is supposed to come from the relationship that we have with God and then go into the rest of our lives. The second one is uh, re- that one of the second area that poverty can come is relationship with self. So how do you view yourself, right? You know in your mind that you are made in the likeness and image of God, but do you live that way? Is that something that uh, we reflect that to... Oh, I'm so sorry. We reflect that before God and others? <laughs> Is that something we reflect before God and others? And, and not only that, but like, how well do we do this in those times when we're struggling in our own self-worth and our self-doubt or like something we're really wrestling with? Do we have like an abundance in our relationship with ourselves through Christ or not? And so what about like, what do we do with our own opportunities? What do we do with our own abilities? What do we do for self-worth even or like, you know, like the uh, self-care, all that kind of stuff. So do we have a good relationship with God? Do we have a good relationship with ourselves or are we in poverty in some of those areas? The next one is relationship with others. Simply put, it's how you interact with other people. Because not only are you made in the image of God, but so is your neighbor. Um, so is your the people around you. So is everybody that you drive by, everywhere that you interact. Do you have friendship and community? And to what level? How, I mean, do you have really good friends or just superficial friends? Like, so when we talk about relationship with others, there is a level of richness and a level of poverty that one can have in just through having uh, relationships uh, or not having them. But it also looks like how you treat people. How do you treat people? Do you treat them with respect and dignity, the worth that God says that they have in their lives? Or do you treat them as less than you? Or do you treat them as problems that need to be fixed? The church has been guilty of that for years and years. But then we can also look at how do they treat you? There's some people that they go around treating people really well, but people treat them like garbage. 
And so they have a little bit of poverty in how they are treated by others. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. We are made to know one another, to love one another, and to encourage one another. God made us for these things. That's what we are get to do. We are made for community, not to live in isolation. Amen? So finally, the last thing is, is uh, the poverty can come through our relationship with creation. So this could be relationship with money. This could be relationship with food. This can be relationship with your material goods uh, or even how you take care of the things that God has given you. Can you manage what God has given you? Can you use it for his purposes? Can you, um, or like one of the, the words in faith and finances, can you steward it well? doesn't matter what the it is. Can you steward it well? And can you steward it not only well, but to the glory of God and the good of his people in, as you live in relationship with others, in relationship to yourself. And the truth is that we are all poor in one or more of these areas. And there, we are all experiencing a need to varying levels and, and areas that we have deficiencies in and areas that we need help in. Amen. Here's why. This world is broken. And we can say amen to that. It's actually a beautiful thing. thing. Through sin and decay, this world is broken. We, have, we all have poverty in some of these areas to one degree or another. And you know what our enemy does? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in this destruction, there are internal and external ways of destroying us. And he's really crafty at it. Right? Our enemy is very crafty at it. So when any of these relationships suffer... They all suffer. They all suffer. So poverty is not just defined as the lack of material goods, um, such as money and food, or, or like think about some of the people that we support, education or clean water. All of these things make us, like I was talking to a friend this week and I said, we go on vacation every year. And he goes, that's wealth. And I don't, we're not wealthy in the traditional sense, but the fact that we can go on vacations with my family, that is wealth. And so as we have it, it's not just, poverty is not defined as the lack of things um, or like relationships or community or any of those things. What defines poverty more than that is the feelings. The feelings, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of shame, the feelings of alienation, like somehow you're different and not in a positive way, not in the like the special flower way that my mom t- talks about me in. Like, like it's not, it's you're different in all the wrong ways. That's how you feel in poverty. I remember one, one moment I was in Hawaii, I was homeless, and I felt like it was beautiful, by the way, and I lived right on the beach, which is kind of nice. Uh, but at the same time, I felt worthless in every single way. I felt worthless in every single way. Like I felt like a fool. I didn't have friends. I didn't have, I just didn't have the things that I thought I needed at the time. And there's a deep sense in poverty, a, a sense of inferiority, not humility, not like humility is just recognizing that somebody might know something that you do, right? And it's, and it's treating others better than yourself, but a deep sense of inferiority, like you can never measure up. You can never measure up. Also with poverty comes, uh, it makes you feel powerless. 
Like there is nothing that you can do to take you out of the situation that you're in. There is nothing you can do for your friends to take them out of the situation that they, they're in. There's nothing that you can do about all the problems that you see and you feel powerless. There's nothing you can do to rectify the relationships that are broken. And you feel like you are constantly less than everybody else. This is what poverty is. And, and so uh, you, you feel that you are unworthy of love or unworthy of being taken care of, and you are constantly in need and unable to help yourself. This picture of poverty is real, right? This is what scripture says is a blessing. It kind of messes with our minds a little bit, that we are always in need, and we are always unable to help ourselves. That's true. It is when we recognize our need for God, recognize not only for the life, burial, or death and burial of resurrection and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, the redemptions of our very souls. He does that and he adopts us into his new family. He gives us this new kingdom, which he is king of, and he then leaves the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in the ways of Jesus. And we can do none of this on our own. The world values so-called self-made people. Amen? We can say amen to that because that's what is valued. But in the ways of God, he is the one who shapes us through his grace. And if we live in need, then we recognize that God is the only one who can fill up our lives. And then we live from the overflow, from the abundance that he gives us. So I'll say this. I've said this time and time again, and I hope I never stop preaching it. We should have a needy soul. You know what it means to be poor in spirit is that, a needy soul. You, you know, again, needy, being needy in our culture is not a good thing either, right? But we are needy of Jesus. We should always want, or rather, we should always need more of God's Holy Spirit through, as Jesus promised us and he left us. We get to live like in a dry land where we're thirsty and we need Jesus, We always are needing the wind of God and the spirit of God to breathe in and move in our lives. Our spirits should never be satisfied with ourselves. Our deep desires should always and forever be for more of Jesus until we see him face to face. And Lord, may that day hasten soon. Think of it in this way. We need more of God's love in our life. Amen. We need more of God's love. I would love to be so full of his loving kindness uh, in, in, in our lives that, and I would love that for you, that if we really grasp the greatness of God's love for us, you know what it would do? Drive away all our fears. It would drive away all our fears knowing that he's going to take care of us. It would even, I would say it this way too, is it would be a light in a dark time. That's what the love of God is, and we can never have enough of this great love of God that he has for us, that he's bestowed on us. Love is not just for our head or for our knowledge. Love is something that God gives us so that we can live it out in freedom. We can live in the freedom that Christ has, and we come to him needing his love every single day, every moment of the day. The other thing that we come needing is we need more grace in our lives. We need more of God's grace through Jesus, what he did on the cross for us, right? The, the truth is, 
is that we are never as good as we want to be and no one is. We mess up on the daily. We are not perfect in our love for God, our love for ourselves, or our love for others, or even include in that the love for, of creation. No matter how much love we feel, we're never doing it perfectly. And I'm, I'm not saying this to discourage us. I'm saying this to point out the fact that we are poor in this area and we are not perfect. And in this, we need God's grace always more of it. It is not something that we are owed. It is not something that we can earn. It's not something that we deserve. But God, in his great love for us, gives us his grace and mercy. And may he fill us up with it because we are so empty. And may he renew it every day because we knew it. We need it every single day. We need to be refilled all the time with God's grace in our life and his mercy in in our lives that is given to us by Jesus. And if we think that we are good in and of ourselves, that we don't need any more grace because we've already got it. We've already, we're already wealthy in his grace. We don't need any more. Jesus points to those people that don't need God's grace over and over in the scriptures, over and over in the scriptures. And you know what he says to them? Woe to you. Woe to you. It's a dangerous place to be to think that we don't need any more grace because we always do. You know what else we need more of? I pray for this every single day, more of his direction in our life. Right? If we're going to walk our life for Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time, then we need every single day his guidance. We need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our path and reveal to us the directions and paths that we are supposed to take for that day because no two days are alike. Even if there's some that are similar, no two days are alike and we get to ask for more direction further direction as long as we live every single day, right? How many times when we want to cost somebody, like we could listen to the Holy Spirit speak to us and want to speak blessing into their lives, or we can ignore them. Like every single day and every breath that we take, we can ask Jesus for direction in our lives because you know why? We need it. We're extremely needy. We don't know our own way without Christ. We don't know it. He knows the way for us and we need more of his direction in our lives. The other thing I would say is we need more protection in our lives. More protection. Um, one of my favorite prayers in the Psalms is in, in, in the Psalms of Ascent, it says, if God had not been the one for us. And I look at that and I go, oh Lord, how many times have you been for me? When I didn't even know it. There's no way to see all the ways that God uh, protects us. I, this week I was talking to a few, uh, a few of my friends and they were playing the what if games. I play those all the time, right? What if this didn't happen? What if this doesn't happen? And I always go back to if it had not been God for us, where would I be right now? Because we have a real enemy and our enemy really wants to destroy us and really wants us to hate God. And we can never have enough protection or rather we should never want it removed. We should always be in need of God's grace. And the Psalms paint beautiful pictures over and over again. One of them I like is that it's like we're chicks hidden in, in the folds of his wings. And you can look right outside here and see the chickens, right? They, they have need. They have needs. And we get to live in that need every single day for him to protect us. And I'll say this, this last one is uh, we need him for our daily sustenance in life. 
you look through the scriptures, who is it that holds together the entire universe? Jesus. Jesus. Who is it that knows every hair on our head? Jesus. Right? Our daily bread is a gift from him. It's a gift from him. Even if we're not poor in food, the fact that he's sustaining us, we want him to do that tomorrow. Amen? Because we know that a day could change anything for the better or for the worse. Our jobs and the are a provision and a gift from him. Our skills, the abilities that we have are a gift from him in all that we do. Every single breath that we take, God is sustaining us. And if we are to keep on living, which he wants life for us, if we are to keep more on living, you know what we need more of? Sustenance. We need him to sustain us. One more day, we need Jesus in our life to sustain us. And we can think that this comes by our own hands. And oftentimes we give the credit to ourselves, our own ingenuity, uh, this, that, or the other. And we can pretend that like eating healthy or making more money or whatever strengths that you're doing is what's keeping you going. But the reality of it is that God sustains the world and he sustains you and he sustains me. And we need his sustenance with every beat of our heart. Amen. There's so much more that we can mention that we're in need of. That I can point out more poverty that we have. But I think that we get the point. The point is we get to be needy. That's what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus said, I came for those who are sick. So if we pretend like we're well, we don't need him. Our relationship with Jesus needs to always be growing and deepening. Always growing and deepening. There are great benefits to recognizing our poverty and asking Jesus to come and step in for us in those things. I'm grateful for the, I've I've discussed this this week with a number of friends. For the last month, I've been meditating on this question. What are the benefits of being poor? And I happen to walk with some friends that like, by the world standards, they would say that they're poor. Some poorer than others, right? And so, and there, here are some things that I take away from these conversations that I've had. Again, none of this is done perfectly. If for every example of positive, you can also find somebody who's negative, who like, I'm going to say gratitude. You can find somebody who's something's been given to them and they're just like, eh, whatever, thanks. And even if they needed it, right? Like how many times have we given out like homeless bags and they're just like, eh, and they throw it to the side, right? We've seen it. And this happens. It's like, well, you're asking for stuff. We're just trying to provide. And so there's, for every good example, but there is, there are people who live in light of Christ, even in their poverty. And here are some of the ways, that, the takeaways that we can uh, learn, from, learn from them, even if they don't do it perfectly, because we get to learn and, and recognize our need. And then in that, recognize God's grace and his goodness. One of the benefits that was mentioned to me over and over again is gratitude. It's gratitude. Each day takes on a meaning of its own. Like living in the moment, each day has its own problems to be sure. But it is also a gift that we get to live in. And when you lay down your head at the end of the day, you can still say, thank you, Jesus, for life. We get to serve in this day. We get to have patience with it for the things that we are praying for and that we don't have the answers for, the things that we're constantly asking for. And so we get to be patient with it. And in poverty, though, there is a deep gratitude for the gift of now, for our daily bread. That's not a 
fictitious thing for some people. That's a very real thing. Moment by moment, God's grace is revealed and they're able to live in that. And so for us, as we learn about poverty, that's something that we get to think about. And when, 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 we, uh, when we're in need, there's this as well. When we're poor, there's an expectation that God is going to show up. When? Today. That he's going to show up today. And when he does it, we're not like, oh yeah, I knew God was going to show up today. No, when he does it, it's an awesome miracle to behold. It's an Ebenezer that we get to set up and just say, I remember when God did this. I re- recount his grace in this, th- the, this thing. And one of the benefits is uh, uh, of, of being poor is that you are able to be satisfied with your daily bread. As long as there's enough for today. And then there's enough. And in a real way, it's contentment. Not loving always being in, uh, not loving that you're always in need, right? Not, you don't want to be there forever and ever, but knowing that God sees you and God cares for you in deep, deep ways. It's a beautiful thing. Say this too, there's a tremendous strength in being poor. You know what you can endure. You know what you can endure. It builds perseverance, which is something that we need in our faith. You know that you can keep it together in hard times. You know that because you look back at the hard times that you've been through, that God uh, is going to see you through this one as well. You know that God, God gives a, a creativity that allows one who is without to find a workaround. To find a workaround, and it's beautiful. The creativity that God places in people. So stuff, um, you can make stuff last longer. Contentment can come easier. And satisfaction is real in life. And it's a daily occurrence. And I... The last thing is you can feel closer to God in poverty because there is, um, it's almost like a prophetic reality of the truth and knowledge that without God, nothing would be possible. And with him, everything is possible. Our growth relies on Jesus. And you watch him provide in crazy ways. All the things that we not necessarily all the things that we want, but you know what he always provides for? Our needs. He doesn't do it in the time we want, but he does it time and time again. God really does care more about us than the birds of the sky or the lilies of the field. Living poor grows our faith. It expands our hope and expectation, and it allows us the ability to feel love at a very, very deep level. And there is peace in knowing that the burden is too big for you. And so you have to lay it down at God's feet. You can't carry it. And you know that you are in need of God's grace for these things every single moment. I love that at the opening of this sermon of Jesus, he starts out with us as needy people. Hey, by the way, you're all broken. You're all poor. If you want to get what I'm saying to you about this kingdom, you're all poor. You're all broken. And you need to live like it. If we want to live as blessed, then we live as needy people. In need of Jesus' kingdom, come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven. Amen?
He has established himself. And if we die to ourselves, if we die to all the things that we think we're great in so that Christ might live through us, then we are rich, not in ourselves, but in our own poverty because he is our riches. His way is our wealth for each and every step. He wants to fill us up so that he might be our wealth and that we might be able to work not from a deficiency, but from an overflow of Christ's wealth for us. That we might be able to be filled up. And then when we're filled up, you know what happens? We freely give as one who's been given to. That's what we do. So if we are rich and wealthy in any of these areas, then God has given this to us enough so that we might work from an overflow. It's almost like the old, you know, air mask. You know, if you're in the airplane, put on the mask of yourself so that you can help others. God wants to fill us up to overflowing so that we're never deficient. We're not working from a deficiency. We're not working in that. We're working from an overflow. It's a blessing to consider the poor. So if you're rich in any of these areas, right? That's where Psalm 41 comes in. It is a blessing to consider the poor, that God has given us enough of whatever it may be so that we might work from an overflow. It's a blessing to consider the poor. It's more blessed to give than receive. The Sermon on the Mount and all of Jesus' teachings are really asking us to act differently than this world teaches us. The areas of wealth that we have are given so that we might give them away. We're not self-serving in our abundance, even though I would say this, we have to be honest and acknowledge that it's a benefit to us, and that's okay. That's okay. But we're not self-serving with it. I think of this. I think of, I am blessed with friendship. You know what I get to do? Give it away. Whether someone receives it or not isn't up to me. I get to give away my friendship. Our world loves to worship material wealth. Loves to worship its things. But we have seen and know that material wealth does not buy peace, does not buy joy, and does not buy love. Even wealthy people just want a little more. Right? I'm wealthy with friends. I want more friends. The kingdom of heaven says that you have wealth, that if you have wealth, then it is a gift from God given by his love and his grace. And you get to live with the same love and grace that he's poured out onto you through others. We don't hoard our wealth. We live generously. We live in generosity because God's been so gracious to us. We don't live like it's going to run out. We live as if it's not our own. We don't spend it all on ourselves. We give it away freely. Now, this is true for money and materials, goods, but it's also true for friendship. Like, I feel loved and I feel filled up by God's love, and we can give that away. If we are full of peace, then you know what we can do? Give away peace. There have been times when I've been around people that are filled with peace, and it is a blessing to be around them because I am not in, the, in that area. If we are full of joy, you know what we get to do? Live that out and give it away. If we're full of patience, you know what we get to do? Give that away. Freely and with joy to those who don't have what we have because we're so rich in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in the kingdom of heaven, we are given so much by Jesus, who is our great friend, but he is also our king. And as we pour out ourselves on his behalf, 
We are needy for Him to keep filling us up and for Him to give us wisdom as we give. And so we make ourselves needy, or I'll say it this way, we make ourselves dependent on the grace of Jesus for everything. I pray, grace and mercy, that we might all be poor. I pray that we might live as those who are needy and not grow tired of being needy. I pray that we might, in the areas where we are wealthy, that we might be able to give out of the overflow, that we might be truly blessed in our poverty and so that Jesus might be our all in all, not just in one area of our lives, but in every area of our life. So as we start this Sermon on the Mount, you can see that God is calling us to live differently. Jesus is calling us to a different life and we get to live it. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that what we want? Blessed is the one who considers the poor. So if we have wealth, consider the poor. Because in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers them. And the Lord protects them and keeps them alive. Why? So they can bless others. He who's faithful with little is what? Faithful with much. And so let us live in light of the kingdom of God. Jesus, I thank you so much for the sermon. I thank you that you opened up your word, this sermon for us, with blessings. Blessings that look different than we might normally think in our world. Blessings that challenge us to live differently and challenge us to live for you. So Lord, please help us. We are in desperate need of your help. In Jesus' name, amen.